play in the not too distant future. Nobody ordered this package, but Amazon knows Julia's going to need it. Julia's pregnant, and Amazon knew, even before she did. Could this be possible in the future? A company that knows us better than we know ourselves, that fulfills our wishes before we've even thought of them? Will we soon be living in this shiny new Amazon world? One day, Amazon trucks will circle people's homes, and if someone needs a diaper, they'll get it in three seconds. I think we can only underestimate how well the system knows us. A company with a smile in its logo that provides us with everything we desire. But are we delivering ourselves into its hands when it delivers things to us? I'm driven of fear of what it could be if we do not engage, if we give up, if we become complacent. Data is dangerous when power can centrally control it, and that's Amazon today. We go to the oldest university in England to meet this man. I am Victor Meyer Schoenberger, Professor of Internet Governance and Regulation at Oxford. His special field is data capitalism, how Google, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft and Amazon shape the world. The change from the industrial to the data age is a very fundamental one. Greater than the change from an agricultural to an industrial society. Amazon is at the forefront of the radical change to this data age that we're experiencing right now. To understand Amazon, just take a look at the marketplace. Amazon is one of the largest markets in the world. So, let's find ourselves a marketplace. Anyone will do. Buyers and sellers meet at the marketplace. You'll find an incredible amount of goods here. And maybe exactly what you're looking for. A traditional market like this has 20 or 30 stalls. And if Julia buys her apples here, she might find a dozen different varieties. But an online marketplace is completely different. A marketplace like Amazon is gigantic, with millions and millions of different products. In the early days of the Internet, when many people tried to replicate the market digitally, they just tried to offer a lot of products. But that didn't really work out that well. Only Amazon succeeded. So, what's Amazon's secret? It controls almost half of online trade in the U.S., its main building is called Day One, because on your second day at Amazon, you might already be slacking off a bit. Amazon expects its staff to keep working as hard as they did on their first day. That's what Amazon boss Jeff Bezos wants. So what are his plans for the future? We would have liked to have talked to Amazon about it, but Amazon won't allow any interviews. No permission to film, answers only in writing. So let's get Amazon's virtual assistant, Alexa, to read them to us. Oh, 
What you got there? What did we get? What's in there? Instead of speculating about the future, we prefer to focus on the things that certainly won't change. For us, that means that our customers will always want a large selection of products at good prices with fast delivery. If nobody at Amazon is allowed to talk to us, what about former employees? We contact a number of them, but only one is willing to be on camera. My name is Andreas Weigand. I used to be Amazon's chief scientist. He started the job in 2002. When I started at Amazon, there were less than a thousand people. My office was on the same floor as Jeff Bezos. After every meeting I had with him, I went out more energized than when I went in. Jeff is highly intelligent. He's thinking about details and the 10-year plan at the same time. That's what I think makes him stand out. When he worked for Jeff Bezos, they were turning an online bookshop into a vending machine for everything. The everything store. That was Jeff Bezos' vision from the very beginning. Amazon, the one-stop shop. It's all about learning from data. Nowadays, recording data costs practically nothing, so deciding in advance what you want to record and then doing it is much more expensive than simply recording everything. Simply record everything? We put up with things on an online market that we'd never put up with on a normal market. If we imagine Amazon doing what it does on a traditional market, it would be like walking around with a little Jeff Bezos behind us, always watching what we're looking at, what clothes we try on, what prices we're comparing, and what qualities we want and preferences we have. And he'd be writing it all down. And then he would use this information to show us which products best fit our preferences. Maybe that doesn't really sound so bad, letting Jeff Bezos know what we're looking at in his marketplace. But not everyone sees it that way. I'm Katharina Nokun, a data protection activist and author. To research my book, I did an experiment. I wanted to buy as much as possible from Amazon for one year and find out as much as I could about the company. I wanted to know what information about me Amazon was actually storing. And not only when I bought products, but also when I just looked at things without buying them. The company took a long time to release the data, which it's required to do under European law. After some back and forth, they finally sent her a CD. I found a lot on this CD. The last 15,000 clicks from the past year were on it. And if you were to print out my Amazon data set on paper, you'd get about 15,000 pages. But she hadn't actually even bought that many things from Amazon. Just looking at them was enough. 
pro Klick sind das bis zu 50 Columns für jeden Klick. Sie sehen nicht nur die Sekunde, ich klickte auf etwas und was für Produkte ich geschaut habe, sondern auch, wo ich war, was Telekoms-Provider ich benutzte und welche Webpage ich kam. Und auch von welcher Seite ich gekommen bin. She hadn't watched Amazon TV and she didn't have Alexa at home, but Amazon still compiled a lot of data about her. Amazon even knew when I was on vacation because of where the searches were made. Also, some people use Amazon Prime as their main streaming service too. So when you add it all together, it can create a gigantic personality profile that goes into frightening detail about someone. Information about our customers is an important part of our business. We use data to make shopping at Amazon and our products better and more convenient for our customers. Amazon is a highly powerful data engine. It's naive to say, my data belongs to me. That sounds good, but most people aren't clear about the meaning of that. What's that supposed to mean? Andreas was a chief scientist at Amazon for only 16 months, and that was a decade and a half ago. Today he travels the world as a data expert and a walking data machine. Anyone can find out when, where and what he's doing at any time. Hello and greetings from Lisbon. World Financial Center here in New York. One of the few situations of not being connected is to be on a small aircraft. Data for the people. Andreas is in great demand as a speaker. He advises companies around the world on data matters. But his reputation as Amazon's former chief scientist always follows him and gets him a long way, even as far as the German Chancellor. I'm convinced our government can only keep up with developments if we continue to seek external advice. And that's exactly what we're doing by asking experts from the various fields to help and advise us in the Digital Council. Andreas is one of them. I consider the things that interest the Chancellor, because if I can convince her, I can actually achieve more than I could at a university or in research. He shared the good news as soon as he was appointed to the Chancellor's committee. I think if you want data to be used sparingly, then you are picking the wrong battle. The real battle is to demand more for the data you produce. At a place like this, you're never alone. I'm going to walk through this with you. And so he's off to Berlin. But what can we really expect in return for our data? What's Jeff Bezos giving us in return for letting him watch us? Once Jeff Bezos has collected all this data about what we've been looking at on the market, he starts to evaluate it. He wants to use it to learn what preferences influence our surfing behavior.
Was macht jetzt der Jeff Bezos mit diesen Informationen? So what's he doing with all this information? He looks at which products are often bought with which other products from their range and then offers them to us. He says, people who bought this product also bought that product. Many consumers think this is something really great. Perhaps unsurprisingly, 30% of Amazon's turnover allegedly comes from these recommendations. Amazon realizes that we humans are much more predictable than we think we are. Julie is pregnant now. How could Jeff Bezos know that? The ability to find the right product is not only based on the comparison of a lot of factors, but also on identifying patterns. Machines that increasingly learn from data over time can do this much better than humans. And this allows them to pinpoint preferences that we ourselves didn't know we had. Preferences that can change. But that's pure science fiction, isn't it? Amazon can already tell whether someone is pregnant sometimes even before she knows it herself. Just from small changes in her purchasing behavior. Can Amazon really do that? We ask Alexa. No. No? You don't think so? Companies like Amazon are very interested in finding out when a family has a new baby, because this is a point in life where a lot drastically changes. And whoever manages to put their product there might win a new long-term customer. So how do you know if a customer is pregnant? Ten years ago, a large U.S. supermarket chain identified buying behavior patterns from a relatively small data set. They even pinpointed the number of weeks. It's been shown that pregnant women change their consumer behavior. They switch to unscented cosmetic products. They start buying cotton wool pads. And when these customers then go on to buy products like baby clothes, thus proving that they did have a baby, you can look at what they bought before and say, okay, people who buy things like that are most likely pregnant. The secret lies in the evaluation of so-called big data. Autodidactic machines recognize the patterns, and Amazon is considered the leader in this field. When we look at which technologies will be important in 10 or 20 years' time, a large data set is actually the decisive factor. Many retailers think they can't keep up unless they start screening their customers too. They want to know how customers tick, just as Amazon does. In Seattle, Amazon is testing a process that may soon go global. Simply go to a store, log in via an app, shop, be monitored, and wander out again. 3,000 of these stores are expected to open next year. At Amazon Pickup, customers can go and fetch their online purchases. And the treasure truck will take the online offer of the day to individual districts. Amazon bookstores even sell books offline. 
Amazon also owns the world's largest organic market chain, as well as its own fleet of aircraft. Amazon already sells insurance and medication, operates publishing houses and fashion labels, payment systems and cloud services, and produces its own films and television programs. It penetrates all areas of our lives and collects data in the process, everywhere. It's made Jeff Bezos the richest man in the world, reportedly earning him $100 million a day. As a hobby, he has his own newspaper, The Washington Post. His company, Blue Origin, is aiming to launch tourists into space. He's built a huge mechanical clock inside a mountain that's timed to run for 10,000 years. But what does the future really look like with Amazon? The city of Seattle on the west coast of the US has already had a little taste. My name is Shama Sawant. I'm on the Seattle City Council. I'm also a member of Socialist Alternative Activists. Jeff Bezos made Seattle his HQ for a reason. He hardly has to pay any taxes here. On the one hand, Seattle is booming, and you can see this right in front of you. The Bezos spheres, the Amazon spheres, are a testament to that booming city. But that is only for a few people. For the rest of us, Seattle has become an unaffordable and unlivable place to live in. And the working people who build these towers, they can't afford to live in the same city that they build these buildings in. Years of low wages have also saved the company money. One study says that in some regions of the US, a third of Amazon employees depend on government food stamps. What we see in the last 10 years is an explosion in homelessness. These are regular people who go to work, but their wages are so stagnant and their rents are skyrocketing. So the combination of both of those things is a deadly combination and it ends up making you homeless. Seattle City Council wanted to introduce a tax for large companies, the money to be used to build affordable housing. The topic was soon dropped. Amazon employs 45,000 people in Seattle. There is no question that Jeff Bezos personally and Amazon as a corporation intervened. They behaved like classic bullies in the schoolyard. They said, if you have the temerity, the guts to pass this small tax on us, we are going to threaten you with the closure of jobs. That was what Jeff Bezos and Amazon did to ensure that this tax did not pass. Instead of paying taxes, Amazon hands out bananas, free of charge every day to anyone who wants them. Apparently over 5 million have already been given away. German cities are also feeling Amazon's influence, at least according to people who know about retailing. Is the internet giant accelerating the decline of small shops? What does Amazon itself think? We do not agree. Take a look at the opinion of the well-known and respected industry insider, Professor Dr. Gerrit Heinemann from the Niederrhein University of Applied Sciences. Yes, let's do that. We already have a date with him. I'm Gerrit Heinemann. I manage the University eWeb Research Center and I'm a retail expert. 
They said it couldn't be done. They but the professor doesn't actually say what the company would like to hear. On the contrary, in fact. Many small and medium-sized towns can still supply our daily needs. But we can no longer really shop there. Perhaps Amazon will eventually be the only retailer you can still buy from, because there won't be any others left. It's like the enemy on the horizon creeping towards us, and we have to mobilize. We can't just shut the window, that will just lead to more empty shops. Some small and medium-sized cities already have vacancy rates of 40% or more, and it continues to rise. That's the consequence. He doesn't even blame Amazon for the disaster. He just says others simply missed the boat when retail changed. Local retailing still often functions as it did in the Middle Ages or even in the Stone Age. Amazon has reinvented retailing. It's a technical company, and most traders don't understand this technology because it's a completely different world. Amazon sets the course, and everyone else tries to keep up or catch up. City centers are dying. So does anyone who wants to compete with Amazon have to fight fire with fire? That's what one company is trying to do here, with food. Order on the internet with next day delivery. The customer can do their complete weekly shop in two or three minutes. And we achieve this by cleverly offering certain products. If you buy a certain kind of milk, then perhaps you'll also buy a certain kind of pumpkin. And that's what we're trying to do here. Use data to make the customer's shopping experience as efficient as possible. Quick delivery routes, few staff, hardly any storage costs, is this like Amazon Light? We're already developing our first fully automated warehouse. We're much more efficient in delivery and we can ultimately offer it to the customer free of charge. The Amazon approach is completely different. There's currently a supply problem in rural areas because of the exodus from those areas. And Amazon won't go there because it's too expensive for their concept. That's exactly what Picnic is doing now, moving into this niche. Taking on the giant, but only in niche markets. Picnic has some 7,000 customers so far, but what will happen when it becomes much bigger? In the past, Amazon has simply bought up aspiring competitors. At no time in history have markets become so concentrated so quickly. In a few years, we may face the situation that there is no viable alternative for people to shop online other than with Amazon. Jeff makes the rules, his rules. If you don't stick to them, you're out. Jeff has enormous power, which allows him to push down prices and set conditions for traders and producers. More and more. 
stellt Amazon. Amazon is also manufacturing more and more products and selling them under the Amazon name. And Amazon will then take over the market stalls themselves. There'll no longer be any diversity. This will be some kind of nightmare market. With Jeff Bezos behind every stand. It's a planned economy with someone in the middle who knows everything and can do everything. It's not gone unnoticed. Here, for example, more and more money is being spent in online trading and Amazon's share is growing. And so is Brussels' skepticism. My name is uh, Margrethe Vesteyer and I'm the Commissioner for Competition uh, in the European Commission. It's not the fact that they grow, because in Europe you're more than welcome to be successful. The question is, of course, what means are they using? Is this competition by the book, the book or are they cutting corners? Uh, we made a full study of e-commerce uh, in Europe. Bits and pieces, you know, headwires, electronics, um, all kinds of things that we buy online. Uh, and in that we found a number of things. But one of the things we also found was a concern about Amazon. And that has been coming back over the last year. And now we found that there were grounds uh, also to do a more specific uh, look into how does this work. Google recently found out what can happen when Margareta Vestaya gets involved. The US corporation was fined 4.3 billion euros. The commissioner also made Amazon pay a quarter of a billion euros in back taxes. Now, she's investigating whether Amazon is using its data power against small online merchants. If we get very serious uh, suspicion that something is wrong, then we have access to knock on doors. 6.30 in the morning, teams come in, uh, we can take a copy of your server, your laptop, your phone, uh, to find your uh, digital evidence. And then we will try to find a smoking gun. Because of course we have to find the evidence, because this is an investigation. It's not gone that far yet. First of all, she sent out questionnaires to merchants who sell their goods through Amazon. At the same time, she's also looking at the ever-increasing services and goods that Amazon itself offers. Yes, that is concerning because when you are in so many different uh, markets, but you have the same customer, then one very basic thing is, of course, how to make sure that data doesn't travel from one part of the business to the next part of the business. How are you going to make sure that you don't just get the Amazon offered by Amazon, offered by Amazon uh, in all the markets that Amazon serve. And this is why, of course, uh, we take an interest. The Digital Council is meeting for the first time today, and Andreas is getting ready to meet the Chancellor. Yeah, Let's see what the day brings. Angela Merkel has called on just 10 experts to ensure that Germany does not miss the digital connection. There's another familiar face there too. An hour before the meeting with Mrs. Merkel, Victor, what should we say? Andreas, how are you today? I'm great. The meeting in the Digital Council is strictly confidential, of course. But also on his agenda today, posting a selfie with the Chancellor and his book. 
and even shooting a video with the late Chancellor Konrad Adenauer. Hello, I'm Andreas Weigand and this is the end of the meeting of the first day of the Digitalrat, the Digital Advisory Board of Germany. We met with Angela Merkel and her cabinet in the morning. We had some interesting ideas about the value of data and others. And now we are debriefing and figuring out what shall we do the next time. Andreas thinks we need better education if we're to live alongside data machines like Amazon. We used to have geography, botany, zoology and so on. How can we make data a real subject now? Digital studies to equip us with the basic skills to make decisions in this digital world. He has a different idea. We've got to tackle the problem at its root, which is in the information, in the incredible amount of data that Amazon collects and only uses for itself. Amazon has a huge competitive advantage because it keeps the data to itself. The only way is to force Amazon to share this precious data with others. This would mean Amazon making some of its data available to competitors, small startup companies, every day. If we don't do that, we could soon end up in a world without markets. Amazon would be completely unchallenged. And why bother choosing things when Amazon's algorithms already know what we want? By a stroke of luck, Jeff Bezos has only been trying to sell us products. But the tools Amazon has developed for the market could also be used for completely different purposes. The state could use them to aid police work, for example. And that's a problem. Police force in Washington County in the U.S. has recently become an Amazon customer. My name is Jeff Talbot. I'm a deputy at the Washington County Sheriff's Office in Oregon. Amazon has developed new facial recognition software. It's supposed to help catch criminals here in tranquil Hillsborough. Now more than ever, a lot of people have cameras installed at their home security. Um, stores have more cameras installed that are better quality cameras. And because of that, we're seeing a lot more crimes occur that are captured on camera with the suspects on really high quality video. When we collect video or photos of someone committing a criminal act and we don't know who they are. Hey. This woman has filmed a wanted shoplifter. Okay. So we're going to take a photo of it? Yeah, sure. Okay, you wait right here. I'm going to go check in my car. We're able to take a still image from that video. We're able to take it to our computers that we all have, and we have it inside of our police cars, put it into the system, and compare it against our 300,000 or so booking photos. This used to be done manually which took an incredible amount of time. Then they contacted Amazon. Essentially, you just take a whole bunch of pictures that you have, run them through a process that creates a mathematical algorithm for each picture, and that allows you to search it quickly. Uh, it's all done on the back end. Amazon takes care of all of that. But um, essentially, all I had to do was uh, 
index all of those images, the mathematical representation of the picture goes to, to Amazon servers, but the actual image does not. The system is already working so well that it can even identify identical sketches with some accuracy. It would be very practical if the police could search not just its own criminal database, but also social media or other databases. We have to abide by the laws, so the law says we can't do it, so our policy says we can't do it. Laws can be changed, and so can policies, but um, that's why we say in our policy that we abide by the law. And if the law changes, then that's the, the voice of the people saying they want it to change. We recognize we have a great deal of power, and there is a potential when you have a great deal of power for abuse. And we want to use this technology responsibly. We want to use it in a way that the public appreciates, expects, and not break that trust. Me as a private citizen, I have those same concerns that they have. But now, thanks to Amazon, the police saves a lot of time. It costs us only a couple hundred US dollars to um, deploy and initially develop and upload our booking photo database. And our monthly bill to use the software is right around $12. So for $12 a month, if we can solve, gosh, even one crime a month for that, it is a financial win for us. What if you could also troll social networks in the same way? We had a female, we only knew her first name, that she had a warrant, and we knew her profile on Facebook, which was not her real name. We were able to take her Facebook video that she had posted on her profile, take a still image from that video, run it through recognition, and find out her true identity. Her first name matched, she had a warrant. We later went to her house and arrested her. Uh, we have been very impressed with the technology and um, some photos that might seem like they're grainy or don't have a lot of quality to them, how it can still find those facial features and match them to people that have been in our custody before. Many people, on the other hand, believe the temptation to abuse the new technology will be too big to resist. I'm uh, Jake Snow. I'm a technology and civil liberties attorney at the ACLU of Northern California. The ACLU is the largest civil rights organization in the U.S. Well, surveillance technology is often deployed uh, first uh, in places where uh, there's a plausible public safety justification and where it's convenient for people. Uh, and then it's expanded to uh, encompass more and more and more of monitoring people's daily lives. It's important to stop the technology uh, as it is beginning to be deployed uh, and think carefully about whether those public safety justifications are really valid. Amazon's facial recognition allows police to monitor the entire public space. This is already being done in other parts of the US too, but the police there aren't as open as they are in Washington County and won't talk to us. Well, Amazon runs uh, a large uh, cloud service, uh, and they're providing that cloud service to governments, uh, and they're also providing surveillance technology to governments. And so, um, you know, what is concerning about that partnership is that the information that, that companies uh, gather um, could be combined uh, with information that governments gather, uh, and the power, uh, and quite honestly, the ability to control society um, could become uh, truly profound and really disturbing. Let's hear Amazon's opinion. 
As a technology solution, Amazon recognition already has many useful applications in the real world. We continue to look forward to seeing how image and video analysis can contribute to the common good, including in the public sector and law enforcement. Are any of these protesters wanted by the police? Amazon could filter this out in real time and also keep a record of who was at the demonstration today. I want a society where I can move freely and participate in demonstrations without being registered anywhere. Katarina Nokun was here today. It's completely impossible to go through inner cities without being filmed by at least 10 cameras. If you link facial recognition systems from Amazon or another company with all the surveillance cameras there, you'd get comprehensive surveillance of the public space. You can't say what other systems will be linked into it in the future. If our behavior is being watched and the things we buy online are being watched, what sort of dangers or problems does that really pose for us? In the field of data protection, the Amazonization of the world means that I can no longer find a refuge where a company isn't finding out about me. This data could also be used to manipulate me at some point. Because anyone who knows my concerns or my fears can also very easily find out how to make me buy something or perhaps even vote for someone. A professor at Harvard Business School has even given this phenomenon a name. My name is Shoshana Zuboff, and I'm the author of The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. Her book on surveillance capitalism also includes Alexa. Last year, Amazon applied for a patent on software to help Alexa to recognize not only what we say, but also how we feel. I, I happen to have a, a little model of Alexa right here. So you ask me if I would have an Alexa in my home. The answer is, my home is my sanctuary. Using this conversational interface for their supply chains for behavioral data. Now, uh, for Amazon, for example, the ambition is limitless because it wants to saturate our homes. It wants to saturate every environment where we live to make it as pervasive as possible because the supply of that voice is priceless. She believes the omnipresent Alexa is just a harbinger of a completely new form of capitalism. One where we think we are just customers, but in reality are most of all suppliers of raw materials, which means we are paying twice over. Surveillance capitalism is a rogue capitalism, a mutation of capitalism based on extraction of private experience for others' profit, others' knowledge and power. The economic imperatives that drive surveillance capitalism force it into the production of vast asymmetries, unprecedented asymmetries of knowledge, and therefore the asymmetries of power that follows from vast private knowledge. Surveillance capitalism is a profound threat to democracy. In fact, I call it a coup from above, 
a market-based coup from above. Will there be a day when Jeff Bezos knows us better than we know ourselves, and also better than all our elected politicians put together? What comes then? Maybe we'd be better off without democracy. We could just go to Amazon and Facebook and Google and say, Dear Mr. Bezos, Mr. Zuckerberg, you know exactly what I want. I show you that every day. Can't you just appoint the government for me? I see potentially huge problems ahead, ones that could even lead us to question our own free will. Or we can't help but turn to Amazon, because we believe that we can only be happy there. When a single company knows what groceries we'll need next week, when it produces all the products we like, when it alone knows what music we enjoy, and when the heroes on their pedestals provide parcels instead of freedom, will we then be in the new age of Amazon? We will pay a price for this future. The price we pay will be in our freedom and in our social bonds and in the very possibility of our democracy. I would not like to live in a, in a world where it was just one company providing the wake-up call and the toothpaste and the milk in the fridge uh, because I think that the, the risks are too high. And I have, uh, I have a sense of privacy that is, uh, for me, a bigger thing than convenience. Good morning, Julia. Today is an important date for you. You're in your 16th week of pregnancy and have a gynecological appointment at 9.30 at the Amazon Healthcare Clinic. I refilled the milk in the fridge for you. Julia wants to know if it will be a boy or a girl. Come on, Julia. It's blue. You can see for yourself. No, they can't do all that yet. But perhaps one day in the not-too-distant future. Will you be ready, though? It's coming. The future is here. It's here. It's just not letting it be exposed too much to us. But everything that they are pursuing and, and has revealed. Okay, let me stop this. So we're in a whole nother trend. Now you either believe it or not, but we're here. Everything is Amazon delivery. Amazon, especially around this time during this COVID uh, coronavirus pandemic, they have probably tripled the uh, they 
economic portfolio. So just be wise and, and just start asking, start seeking some stuff. Uh, what's in the future that I need to invest in now that I'll be profitable in within five years? Just think about that. All right. The boom factor here, letting you know what's going on underneath your nose. All right. Later. <laughs>